Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Slash Film Daily. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm the senior writer at SlashFilm.com, and today we're going to present an interview with Anish Chiganti, the co-writer and director of a new thriller called Searching. It's a mystery that plays out entirely across computer screens and cell phones, and it's so inventive and engrossing and exciting that it ended up being my favorite movie I saw at this year's Sundance Film Festival back when it was called Search. I caught up with Anish during the festival to talk about his movie, which is his feature directorial debut. He's a longtime fan of SlashFilm.com, and as the interview begins, you'll hear him talk about how he checks the site a few times a day and get very excited about my 10 out of 10 review, which I'll link to in the show notes. During the interview, we talk about his inspirations for the film, the scope of the story, how he conveyed the passage of time, and much more. This is the majority of our conversation, but I actually trimmed out a few spoilery aspects that you can read about in the full piece on SlashFilm.com, and again, I'll link to that in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the interview. Really? I check it about four times, five times a day. <laughs> That's awesome. When uh, Peter Scarata put it on his, like, the website's most anticipated Yeah, movies. it was me. I wrote that. You wrote that? Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. Sick. And I freaking love the movie. I just reviewed it. it the review hasn't gone up yet, but it, it's I good on it. Slash Home? It's a 10 out of 10 review. It's Are you fucking one. kidding me? No, it's it's only, a 10 out of 10 review? It's the only one that I've given a 10 out of 10 at Sundance so far. How many movies have you seen? Uh, like, I don't know, at least 10, maybe... It's a 10 out of 10 review? Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. It's it's amazing. So, Hell yeah, dude! Okay, <laughs> let's fucking go! Alright. Congratulations on this movie. Thanks, it's man! incredible. Did you read a bunch of detective stories or watch a lot of mystery movies for inspiration? Yeah. So, what what were some of the touchstones for you? Um, so, Sev and I, who co- uh, Sev Ohanian, who co-wrote the film and also uh, lead produced it, um... Uh, we watched a lot of uh, uh, thrillers and kidnap sort of stories um, to sort of, you know, understand which beats worked, which didn't work, what scenes worked and why. Uh, the most important ones for this film were Prisoners and Gone Girl. Uh, we really studied those films, uh, the dynamics between the characters, why some scenes worked, why, why some didn't, um, and really try to bring a certain amount of that to it. Uh, plus, along with the most obvious one for us was Making a Murderer mm-hmm. and Serial, uh, the podcast. Because this movie, or search, um, 
kind of has to feel real, you know, like you're, you're in the whole canvas of the film are, are, are sites that you as an audience member either have been online, I've been to before mm-hmm. or have the potential to just go to at the click of a button. So it needed to feel familiar. And, and in a way we kind of looked at true crime a lot too, to, to sort of uh, mimic a lot of the, um, the way people talk about it and the way sort of media responds and, uh, yeah, how sort of society uh, kind of uh, communicates about it. So for me, this is this movie is like one of the best examples I can think of of um, the concept of limitations breeding creativity. <laughs> so can you talk me through sort of what you first envisioned this movie being, and then what it ended up as, and yeah. and sort of uh, how those limitations you know sort of uh, propelled you guys through? Totally, I'll give you the whole story. Um, so I was working at Google uh, before this project. I was um, helping write and direct their commercials uh, in New York City, and my writing partner, Sev, same guy, uh, sort of took a meeting with uh, Bazalas, which is the production company run by Timur Bekmambatov, who uh, financed, ended up financing this film. Uh, and they were looking, they had just made Unfriended, mm-hmm. which is a big hit, uh, and they were looking for a, 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 kind of like the movie VHS, an anthology movie of like a bunch of short films. And... Uh, Seb took a meeting with them and was like, hey, if you guys are looking for short films, I know a guy who works at Google. You should totally meet with him. And they met with me and, and Seb, and they were like, we, we want an idea for a short film. So a few months went by, and we kind of came up uh, one day. I remember the exact day. I was in um, uh, uh, I was in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, and um, the Isle of Palms. Uh, and it was Labor Day weekend. Uh, sorry, little random details. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, where we came up with the uh, idea for um, the short film version of this movie. It would begin uh, like the proof of concept video we made, which is not public, but it would sort of begin on a blinking cursor and we wouldn't know, uh, and a password was being typed uh, on, on a computer and it was wrong, and it was wrong, and it kept being wrong, 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 and you don't know who the, the, the user is, mm-hmm. and as you sort of start to uncover more, you start to discover that the user is actually the father of a missing kid, mm-hmm. and he's on his daughter's laptop. And we're like, that's a really cool short film. Uh, you know, what could we do with that? And we pitched the short film to them in like a couple of pages, and they were like, we really like it as a short, but we love it as a feature. Uh, would you be down to write it? Sev, you uh, produce it, write it with a niche, and I'll direct it. Uh, and in the room, you Sev was like, oh my gosh, and then I was like, no. Uh, and I really? said, no, and immediately Sev was just like, I could just feel heat uh, from next to me. He's yeah. like, dude, like no one gets an opportunity like this to make a first movie, why are you saying no? And the reason I told him, and I said it in the room to them, I was just like, it felt like we would be taking an idea that really worked as seven minutes and just stretching it as opposed to mm-hmm. organically expanding on it. And it, it felt like a gimmick to me. Yeah. Um, and like, who wants to make their first movie on a computer screen? Right. Um, so we, we said, I, I said no, and Seb said, we'll get back in touch. And um, uh, we went away, and, and, and we didn't want to do the film if, if we didn't feel passionate about it, if we mm-hmm. didn't feel like it was organic. But then one day, a few weeks later... We both had the same idea for the opening scene at the exact same time. I was in Williamsburg, uh, Brooklyn, uh, where I was living at the time, and he was in L- L.A., in Glendale. And we both called each other and said, hey, I have an idea for an opening scene. And I was like, I have an idea for an opening scene. Okay, you go first, uh, and then I'll go second. And he pitched what I thought was my idea, and I pitched back the exact same idea. And we're like, holy, holy crap. <laughs> uh, and, okay, and if you've seen the film, yep. the opening is a very specific kind of a, a, a sequence. And we were like, okay, and... After that, knowing that sequence, we kind of knew what the next scene would be. And then after that next scene, we knew what the scene after would be. And all of a sudden, it felt like we had this movie that was that wasn't just a gimmick, but uh, but felt emotional and thrilling, and had some ups and downs, mm-hmm. and like was mysterious, uh, and 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 almost felt like commentary on the way we live our lives, as opposed to just 
look what we can do. Right. Yeah. This is such an expansive movie. It's so huge. Yeah, it's the, big. the scope yeah. is like yeah. way it blew me away how <laughs> much is there, how much movie is there. Yeah. So was that always the plan yeah. and the yeah. writing? That was okay. always the plan. I mean that's not to say the movie didn't change over the course of two mm-hmm. years. We edited the film for about a year and a half. Yeah. Which is most movies go four months. Yeah. Uh, so in that process naturally you're changing things, but the script was always uh, designed very specifically uh, to, to, to uh, do a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. We actually ended up shooting with um, one of the earlier drafts, actually. Uh, but we spent, Seven and I spent so much time on that, on that stuff. So uh, the thing that took a long time, the thing that was changing the whole time, was basically, if you think about this movie, we were basically, the way we made it was we started editing an animated film and then went off and shot a live-action film, and then put all the stuff in the live-action film into the animated film, right. and then kept editing the animated film over and over and over again until you have a final product. Yeah. That took about a year and a half, and in that process, because it's an animated film, almost every aspect of what you're looking at is constantly changeable. Right. So every day you're faced with like a thousand creative choices, or no choices, depending on how you want to look at it, of anything that could be changed or anything that could work better. Right. So what we did was we uh, held these kind of like feedback screenings. Um, every few weeks, we'd kind of have a new cut. And we would ask, and Seb would run this thing, we'd ask like 200 questions to everyone in the audience. Did this beat work? Did this beat work? At minute four, we're going to rewind to that part. This point, did that give you the right feeling? Was this a little misleading? And everything that was confusing or wasn't the right, hitting the right point, we just go back and work on it again. And we just like kind of kept refining and kept refining it so that the beats became clearer and then everything, every emotion that we wanted to hit was was, was hitting as hard as we could get it to. That's fascinating because like a lot of times you hear horror stories about, um, you know, uh, early... Feedback? Yeah, feedback yeah. and stuff. And it sounded like it was really beneficial for you guys. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I understand why. I I'm not not to say that they weren't like nerve-wracking experiences before you you know show a film and then hear something doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It still is no matter what a nerve-wracking experience. But when you have the ability to change something that isn't working, just change it yeah. and work on it. Um, it was a little. It was both easier and harder with our concept. It was easier in the sense that we could change it right. and nobody would ever know that right. it, was, it was never intended. You yeah. know, like because we could just change the website or change the beat or like cut away from something. It was so easy to create. Um, the difficult part was actually executing it um, because to create these graphics, to create these looks, to create all the camera shakes and all that stuff is just a shit ton of work. Yeah, and so how did that... Who was responsible for that? The, like the graphics? And yeah, stuff? Is that the a editors. Visual effect? Okay, yeah, that's the all editors... Are I would I I mean they're just one level short of gods um, on, on on this film. Their names are Will Merrick and Nick Johnson. We, we I went to, to USC with them uh, to film school with them, and their jobs so exceeded the role of traditional editing. I think I mentioned this in the premiere yesterday. Mm-hmm. We gave them an additional credit called directors of screen photography, and then our director of photography we put a thing before it that said live action just to make sure that people knew because there is there that. Directors of screen photography, once you watch the film, you'll totally understand that there is another camera mm-hmm. that is being changed and, and, and those decisions are being made in the edit room as yeah. opposed to on set. Totally. Um, so those guys started editing the film seven weeks before we even shot a frame of the movie. Mm-hmm. We, the, 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 this was Seb's idea, but he had a, we had this great idea to, to, to edit an entire animatic of the, of the movie before we even shot a frame. So we understood how the footage that we'd shoot versus the, the camera that we were kind of like finalizing mm-hmm. on would play with each other. Um, so before we shot the film, the week before we screened an hour and 40 minute cut of the entire film as an animatic starring me playing John, Deborah, playing the daughter, playing every friend, talking to each other. 
and so we can understand eye lines and uh, and and how the cameras played with each other, and that's the animatic that we brought on set. And I would show to John and show to Deborah and be like, okay, when you're having this conversation, the button that you need to click on is right over there. This click is right over there. So everything needed to be really specific and yeah. planned out to a degree that is unlike most movies because uh, there's a very 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 small degree of um, uh, uh, there's a tiny margin of of precision that we had to hit. Um, otherwise, it would look wrong. Yeah. So. So tell me about how you settled on which milestones to use to establish how time was passing in the mm. movie. Like, you know, I noticed like an early version of YouTube, I think, maybe like... Oh, uh, uh, you mean the beginning of the yeah, movie? Yeah, and sort of, yeah, I guess in the beginning of the movie, and then also like once the action sort of kicks mm -hmm. up too. Um, like how time plays, in, like yeah. how we uh, played with time. Okay, so the beginning of the film is a lot easier to explain. Um, oh, they're both easier to explain, they're just different answers. <laughs> uh, beginning of the film uh, is... This is coming out later. So the beginning of the film is like uh, is basically a montage mm -hmm. uh, that uh, kind of takes you through a decade or more of the the life of this family, all told through their home computer. Um, that starts off, you know, when baby Margot is setting up her first account with the help of her parents, and then going until some tragic events that happen at the end of it. Um, we literally, I mean, time plays such a huge role in this. We knew at, for all intents and purposes that the second this movie came out, it would be a period piece. Because the yeah. second this movie comes out, like, technology's already improved. Facebook's already updated its UI. Like, yeah. you know, like, it's already period. Mm -hmm. So we were like, okay, let's embrace that. Let's make sure this movie is always set in very specific dates. Mm -hmm. So we knew the exact date Margot was on that computer. We knew the exact date of everything going in that opening montage. And we would use the Wayback Machine, which is a website online that you can kind of, like, look up websites, cached versions of them to see how the front pages looked. And we used pretty advanced like Google searching of like specific dates of when these uh, images were coming up. Mm -hmm. And we would type and we would find the right version. And we were the, we were librarians too. You know, yeah. we were like, and the early versions were like, okay, that version of Skype, that version of Skype. And we'd start putting it in the animatic and mm -hmm. liking it and then adjusting it over time. Uh, so we kind of used a lot of like the internet's history that was available to us to create that stuff in the montage. And then later on in the film, we made sure that the film takes place on May 9th, May 10th, May 11th, May 12th, and May 13th of 2017. There's no going around that. Like, yeah. the movie's a period piece. And if you pause the film, every single piece of news item, every yeah. single, everything is related to those dates, the things that happened on those dates. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so much, so many of those tiny details, you know, no, that's, things about what uh, Trump was doing I'm at the time. I'm most stuff. proud of is if you pause this movie, you'll see nine other storylines that are happening simultaneous to the yeah. main plot that you had no idea. That's very cool. I know you said you've been in post on this for such a long time, and I'm just wondering how in the world did you not lose your mind yeah. being in an edit bay for that long? Oh, I did. I 100% did. We had a joke on, on, the, on this film. Like, most films, you know, go through uh, three stages. There's pre-production, production, and post-production. Our film, we joked, was uh, pre-post, post, and post-post. <laughs> um, so we were always in, in, in some form of post-production in this yeah. film. Uh, we did lose our minds. We lost, yeah, we were, there was five of us in that one tiny edit room, literally smaller than the room that we're doing this interview in. <laughs> Uh, those five of us is me, the two editors, Will and Nick, uh, Natalie Kasabian, our producer, and, and Sebahanian, our, 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 our producer and co-writer. And we were just every day there from like 7 a.m. to like 1 a.m., like just working on tiny things. And like the computer, no computer on the consumer marketplace can handle a movie like this. Mm -hmm. It's so complicated. In fact, it's so complicated, the parting gift that I gave to all the editors uh, was a framed uh, timeline of the premiere timeline. And it looks like a city skyscape. <laughs> wow. it's, it's like most films are like one or two layers of, of video and five layers of audio. We had 37 layers of video almost on every scene. Wow. Uh, and it, it's like kind of like, totally looks like Manhattan or something, uh, and the audio is just as complicated. But 
it was such a complex problem. Like we, our computers would crash every like eighteen minutes, and we'd have no idea what oh, was saved God. or not. We would like just fucking like be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, please didn't lose, not lose progress, and we always lost progress, and we'd always have to take a step back. So the film took way long, but at the same time, like as no, while no computer was made to handle this, it's because no one has tried this the way that we're trying it mm. before, and that was always a sense of pride and something that we used to rally ourselves up when, in the middle of February, we were still editing, you know, eight months in, you know, with almost feeling like no end in sight, and into March, and into April, and into into May, and, you know, all that stuff, and, and we always kind of, once in a while, we would hit a clearing through the trees, mm-hmm. And we'd look back and be like, wow, I think what we're making could be really cool, but back to work. Yeah. Uh, and then those moments, I think, made it worth it. That's awesome. I had a couple questions for John, but he's not here now, so let me see what else I have here. Um, oh, well, why don't you talk to me about John for a second? So, yeah. casting him, yeah. what did that mean to you guys? How, how did you approach him, and, and uh, what sort of uh, trust did he have to put in you as a first-time filmmaker? Yeah. What was your relationship like there? Uh, basically, I was asking for his complete blind trust. Uh, to a first-time director who he had never worked with mm-hmm. uh, and who never, no one had ever worked with because I'd never made a feature film before. Um, basically, uh, I'll explain why we cast John. I, I, I think John is one of the most empathetic uh, and sympathetic characters just by putting him on screen. I think, I think when it, he's one of the most likable people that I've ever seen on camera. You see him, and there's something about him that just goes, yeah, I root for that guy. Yeah. And immediately, when we were early on editing the film or conceiving of it, we were like, okay, we need a person who is, has those qualities because it's not, we're not going to be able to see him all the time, you know? And so in those moments that we do see him, we need to really kind of have everything going and firing at full cylinders. This guy has to be likable. We need to root for him whenever in those brief moments we see his face. Obviously, we see a lot of him in this film, but early on when you're kind of conceptualizing it, that was a huge a priority for us. John immediately fit the bill um, for that, his acting ca- caliber, obviously, but also because it was very important to me, I grew up in Silicon Valley, my parents are both in the tech industry, to, 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 to cast a person who looked like the people my parents would have over for dinner and who looked like the people in Silicon Valley. Um, that was always a priority for 7i and, 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 and John was at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. The trust he had, yeah, complete blind trust, he was ex- naturally very hesitant about being a part of this project. In fact, he originally said no uh, to it, um, uh, just based on the previous Unfriended film, uh, and he, he just didn't think that what we he, he it ended up being like he didn't see what we were trying to do, mm-hmm. and I had to end up showing him that and trying to convince him. But it's a very very hard movie to picture if you have yeah. no frame of reference. Yeah. I, like if I'm if you had no idea what this movie was, it's like it takes place on the screen, but it's cinematic. Right. And I like okay, how the fuck is that yeah. gonna happen? Uh, so I had to just kind of like talk to him and show him like and kind of take him through, and he kind of had all these questions for me, trying to trip me up. And I was like, this is how we're gonna do this. 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 And by the end of it, he was he was into it, and he was like, fuck it. If we have this opportunity to, I'm just a reading his mind, I guess. So don't quote me. But he, <laughs> the way I see it is, the way he was talking about it is like if we have an opportunity to somehow contribute to the language of movies. Um, which is a crazy thought. Uh, let, let's let's take it, and um, 
I have to commend him and I have to commend Deborah for that. They, they, they're so brave to be able to take this project on uh, and put their names behind it. And well, I know you've been, you know, going crazy and I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thanks very much for speaking with me. And that and is a pleasure. My favorite, this is my favorite film site. It's <laughs> on the record. I hope you all enjoyed that. Again, you can read my full review of the film at SlashFilm.com and I will link to it in the show notes. My name is Ben and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. Slash Film Daily is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to Slash Film Daily on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, and Spotify, and email us feedback, questions, or any suggestions you have to peter at slashfilm.com. Be sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. And if you can, do us a favor and take two minutes to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, because that really helps us out in terms of visibility. Tell your friends about the show, spread the word however you can, and we'll talk to you next time.